0: Thank you, Praise Team. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie, for those fine announcements and uh, the audiovisual team in the back making it possible for all of us to see and hear. Thank you for your time, effort, and energies. Through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, it is well with my soul. Amen and amen. It's where you belong. That's your thinking and attitude, isn't it, for West Highland? And I hope that you said and resonated with the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. When we were with you uh, several months ago, I shared this picture that I had taken uh, on the streets of Detroit as Leanne and I were uh, on the road someplace, and I didn't know if that was for real or not, googled it, and. Uh, uh, one of our professional truck drivers in the congregation had seen that, Mike White, and shared that, uh, sure, that, that's it. And uh, also shared with you a license plate that we had seen. And uh, as a result of that, Mike, uh, on his adventures, took a picture here, God is my help. I thought that was so cool. Would you, would you take and put paint on your car and reflect uh, the love of Christ? And then, uh, in his adventures also, uh, there's a a building supply company called Sebastian. And he took this picture, and the owner, unfortunately, the telephone pole there is right in the middle of it, but he just had to sign, he's had it for many years, as I understand it, John 3.16. And I was thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool if somebody went up there and took on that uh, pole and put uh, a cross member for a cross? so that the shadow would put a cross on there as well. At any rate, cool. And then Leanne and I's travels here within the last week, took this picture, and I thought, now how did they ever let that happen? How did they ever promote the Lord here on a vehicle? And then it dawned on me that, well, sure, why not? It's our national motto. It's on our coins. In God we trust. In God we trust. Leanne and I just got back from a cruise this week, and on one of the islands, when you do excursions, they have uh, transportation to wherever it is you're going. And I took a picture of this one. What a phenomenal way, right, to, to share the, and show what side of the fence you're on there with the Lord. And I w- want to share with us, if you've got your cameras, your cell phones, feel free to take them out, take a picture of this, Because it's a personal invitation, join us next Sunday as Pastor Tom brings another fun-filled, action-packed, and dynamic message from God's Holy Word. I understand he had last week's series uh, a three-part series and began uh, the first part last week. And so uh, look forward to part two and part three in the the next couple of weeks. So uh, think about those things. And uh, as, well... I I thought I ought to share with you, a year ago, I gave Pastor Tom a Sunday preaching gift certificate in which I would give him a Sunday off, and we had it arranged for the first Sunday of 2022. However, yours truly here came down with COVID, and that didn't work out. And I extended him the same invitation this year, and it worked out for him to have this Sunday off and for him to spend some just some extra special time with the person who makes his life complete in Christ, and that's his wife, Mary. And I've got a question for you. I've got a question for you. Are you uplifting Pastor Tom and Mary on a regular basis before the throne of grace in prayer? And uh, I know that you are all in their prayers, and I hope that you are supporting and encouraging them and sending emails and text messages and letters and cards, appreciating, telling them how much you appreciate their presence and their ministry here. You know that they're not here by chance and coincidence, but they are here by divine appointment, by Almighty God. And so I think that uh, most appropriate to thank God for for them in our midst. Would you pray with me? Father, we just uh, come into your presence uh, as we continue in worship this morning to say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel message. And thank you for the work that you're doing in the hearts and lives of people here at West Highland. And Lord, what an awesome congregation. And we just uh, also say thanks for Pastor Tom and Mary as they continue to minister to us. And that uh, you would strengthen them in every way possible, give them wisdom and direction uh, as they continue to lead us. And Lord, we, we ask a special anointing of your Spirit, not only upon them, but the congregation, as we proclaim you King of Kings within our, within our community. And may West Highland be a beacon of hope within our community. And uh, may others see each person, uh, see Jesus live in, in each of us. May we be the light of the world, reflecting your light and the salt of the earth. And for it's the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, the title of my message is the New Year Fruit Plan. Going to need a little help here to advance. There we go. New Year Fruit Plan. And uh, I thought maybe before we get into Luke chapter 13 and verses 6 to 9 that it would be appropriate within the context of the chapter to also take a look at the first five verses. So, beginning with verse 1 in chapter 13, these words are recorded. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifice. Jesus answered, "'Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way?' "'I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish.' or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. It's not uncommon, it's not uncommon uh, for natural disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes and other such forces of nature to make the news and headlines. And ranking right up there might be stories of tragedy where we have uh, bridges collapse or buildings or car accidents, trucks, trains, planes, and where people are seriously injured and perhaps some of them have lost their lives. And uh, it can often lead us to asking why questions. And I'm sure that all of you have asked why questions too. AND JESUS IS ASKED TO ADDRESS A COUPLE OF TRAGIC SITUATIONS THAT HAPPENED IN THE NEWS OF HIS DAY. AND WHAT DID HE HAVE TO SAY ABOUT SIN AND SUFFERING? AND HOW DOES IT TURN INTO A LESSON ON REPENTANCE? WHAT DOES THE STORY OF THE FIG TREE HAVE TO DO WITH DISASTER AND TRAGEDY IN OUR WORLD? WHAT DOES THE TEXT HAVE TO SAY ABOUT THE DAILY CHRISTIAN LIFE? AND HOW DO WE APPLY IT TO OUR OWN LIVES? Well, I think the ultimate point Jesus is trying to convey is this. Those who died in the temple and those who died with the sacrifices in the collapsed tower or suffer from any tragedy in their lives are no worse sinners than you and I. And the thinking in Jesus' day was that tragedies of this nature were the result of some specific sin that had occurred in our lives. And you remember when... Uh, Jesus was along the way in John chapter 9 where the uh, blind man uh, from birth and his disciples said to him, asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And what does Jesus say? Neither, neither of them. That was not happening. And so the Bible tells us that death is inevitable. All of us know that. And I think that when we think about it being inevitable, Jesus warns us to repent or perish. In the final analysis, all of us are only one heartbeat away from eternity. So the question we ask is, are we ready? And to illustrate the need for repentance and its role in the Christian life, Jesus uses the parable of the fig tree. AS IS OUR CUSTOM, AND IF YOU ARE ABLE, WOULD YOU STAND FOR THE READING OF GOD'S HOLY WORD?" THEN HE TOLD THIS PARABLE. A MAN HAD A FIG TREE PLANTED IN HIS VINEYARD AND HE WENT TO LOOK FOR FRUIT ON IT, BUT DIDN'T FIND ANY. SO HE SAID TO THE MAN WHO TOOK CARE OF THE VINEYARD, FOR THREE YEARS NOW I'VE BEEN COMING TO LOOK FOR FRUIT ON THE FIG TREE AND HAVEN'T FOUND ANY. CUT IT DOWN. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit the next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May we add it to the blessing uh, of our lives. May we absorb the principles and insights and share them with others. I thought I might go to Isaiah from this particular Scripture and share with you something very similar. And I'm in uh, chapter 5 of Isaiah and taking a look at verses 1 through 7. Listen to these words. I will sing for the one I love a song about the vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with a choice of vines. He built a watchtower for it, and out of it cut out a winepress as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, what did it yield? Only bad." Now I tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds, not the rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, and the garden of his delight. So basically we have the same thing back here that the prophet Isaiah is telling us. We've got a vineyard, we've we've got fruit, and it's not bearing what it should be bearing. And the unproductive tree represents the Jews who are not producing the fruit of repentance. They had been given Moses and the law and the prophets God had blessed the children of Israel beyond measure. They refused to believe that Jesus was in fact their Messiah and instead of confessing their sin and repenting and believing that Messiah would die for their sin, they kept on doing what they always were doing. And the whole point was that they thought that all the bad stuff that was happening to other people was a result of their sin and they just kept going. And we remember what John the Baptist said, right, in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 3, where we see him saying, "'Produce fruit, keeping with repentance. And do you think to say to yourselves, "'We have Abraham as our father? "'I tell you that out of these stones, "'God can raise up children for Abraham. "'And the axe is already at the root of the tree.'" And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. The owner of the vineyard is obviously God. And the one who is looking for fruit in this case, the fruit of repentance, and he was giving them time. But they were not bearing good fruit. They were not bearing fruit. And they were given some extra time to bear that fruit. And if not, there was going to be a time of judgment. And the theme of my remarks this morning is simply bearing fruit. And so we ask ourselves this question, we'll also end with the same question, are we bearing fruit? And as a result of that question, you might say, right on Galen, right on. I have not been producing fruit. I need to do that. Maybe there has been a dormant season in your life. And maybe you say, I've been out in the wilderness, and you need to return to the shepherd that leads you beside the still water and the green pastures. And maybe you did not know that you were called to bear fruit, and this is a new revelation for you. Maybe your thoughts are in a different direction. Perhaps you are simply thinking, Galen, I have been bearing fruit all of my life. How much more fruit can I bear? What do you want? you might be puzzled about this business of bearing fruit. Why do I need to bear fruit? And what is bearing fruit anyway? Uh, Galen, uh, you just don't understand here, how can I bear fruit when, because of the pandemic, my business has gone south? When my marriage is falling apart? When the doctor has given me a prognosis that is not good? When I have been laid off from my job? when I am burning the candle at both ends and have also lit it in the middle, when I have been hurt and abused, when medical bills, health care, prescriptions have skyrocketed, when my car repairs have exceeded my paycheck, when my physical pain is unbearable. Galen, you just don't understand, the list goes on, it goes on, it goes on, and you could add much to this. And here's my reflection to those kinds of responses who share that with me. If, if Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, and if you have invited him into your life and he's accepted him, then focus on Jesus. Quit focusing on the problem and telling God how big your problems are, and you know the, what the rest of this goes. Tell your problems how big your God is. And focus on the solution. The solution is Jesus. The solution is found in God's holy word. The prophet Jeremiah says it this way. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and "...never fails to bear fruit." And never what? Fails to bear fruit. In other words, bearing fruit for God is not dependent upon outward circumstances or situations. And even though I haven't read all of them, I I have read recently that there's over 3,000 promises in the Word of God. God says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He has promised to supply all of our needs. Not all of our wants, but all of our needs. The psalmist tells us to cast our cares upon the Lord. And uh, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is He, that's the Holy Spirit, living in us, than he that is in the world. How about this one from Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct thy paths. You know, another thought may have entered your consciousness as we think about bearing fruit. How about this one? Galen, I'm just too old to bear fruit anymore. My tree is wrinkling up from the inside out and from the outside in. My sap has gone up and went. And if we have those thoughts, then I think we need to check up from the neck up. Because you know what the prophet Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Paul tells the Philippians this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and then David puts his pen to parchment and tells us in Psalm 92, 14, "Uh, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You might be interested in knowing that there's no expiration date on bearing fruit. As long as we are sucking air and fogging up a mirror on planet Earth, God expects us to bear fruit. And so basically, Maybe we keep that in mind throughout the week, throughout the year, and throughout the rest of our life. God expects us to bear fruit. And if you remember Pastor Tom's message on chapter 15 of uh, John, when he was in that series uh, a year or so ago, he capitalized and said these words, By this is my Father glorified, that you what? Bear much fruit. When we hear John the Baptist tell his listeners in <clears throat> Matthew 3 to bear fruit worthy of repentance, uh, that is, if you truly repent, and if you've confessed and you, you're serious about this, and it, you, turning doesn't mean to stop. Turning means to go 180 degrees and go the other direction. If, if, if you've truly repented, there must be fruit of that repentance. There must be an activity a behavior and attitude that demonstrates that change. And that visible change and outward expression is called fruit. When I've looked up the uh, commentaries and so forth this week, several demonstrations, several definitions, bearing fruit is a phrase used to describe the outward actions and behavior that result from the inward attitude and condition of the heart. Bearing fruit means to use our time, talent, and treasures and uh, that God has given us for the kingdom work. And ultimately, that brings him praise, honor, and glory. Bearing fruit. The Apostle Paul told the Colossians, bear fruit in every good work. And of course, we all know Galatians chapter 5, which talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And you know this well. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's that's bearing fruit. How about a person that displays godly attitudes and behavior? I'm not judging here, but we're fruit inspectors, right? We can see if there's fruit on somebody's tree. How about the person that seeks God first and His righteousness bearing fruit? If you tell others about Jesus, if you fulfill the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Growing and being transformed and renewed in your mind. How about forgiveness? That's a big one, isn't it? Forgiveness. Uh, Being obedient to God's commands. How about cultivating a prayer life? I'm not talking about the 10 second prayer that you say before a meal or when you go to bed. I'm talking about engaging in conversation with the Lord. How about living our lives as a witness and testimony unto Himself? How about reflecting the light of Christ and being the salt of the earth? Well, did you know that this uh, parable is kind of an open-ended parable? In other words, of all the parables in the New Testament this is one that Jesus does not tell us the ending. Doesn't tell us the ending. We really don't know what happened. But here 2,000 years later as we reflect back on Scripture we can speculate about the ending because of the application and here's what the Apostle Paul said to Colossians, all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. The gospel's bearing fruit. We as Gentiles have been engrafted into that tree. We are bearing fruit. You know, I see in this parable many things and each one of them could be a message. For instance, I see... Patience and compassion and grace, mercy and love. I see second chances. Aren't you glad that Almighty God is the God of second chances? And uh, how many of us, where would we be if we didn't have second chances? And even more and more. I see repenting or perishing. I see restoration. I see a stern warning here. I see goal planning. I see resolutions. And hence the title, the New Year Fruit Plan. And even though I've entitled my remarks a New Year fruit plan, I want to share with you that nowhere in Scripture does it say that this is a New Year fruit plan. It's something that I added to the message simply because it's that time of the year, New Year. And we think about making uh, resolutions and all that. Now I want to take just a sidebar here for a moment and ask you a question. We had New Year's just two weeks ago. Did anything change in your mind When that sudden that hour of midnight ushered in, is there anything that ushers in utopia, other than coming to Christ? Would you had you probably had the same problems, the same finances, the same everything in your life? But celebrating the new year beginning, it seems like there's a renewed strength and kindlement and energy and all that. And for some, it's a starting over and putting the past behind. For others, a brand new beginning and anticipation. And maybe this year's hopes and dreams will make a difference. Did you know that God is the source of all of our beginnings? God gave us a brand new day. Psalm 118 24 says, This is the day the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Each week ended with the Sabbath, and in a a brand new week, he commanded the day of atonement, where sins would be forgiven, and until a year later, when that had to be repeated until Christ came. He provided a year of jubilee where inheritance and and, uh, all of that was restored every 50 years. And God provided, in my personal opinion, the the greatest beginning of all when we came to know Christ. You know, one of the traditions for beginning a new year is that of making resolutions. I don't know if you made any resolutions, but our scripture today is a resolution for the next year. And most of the time, resolutions and goals are about us, right? About what we're going to do, about all of our stuff. For instance, the top five this year. Get organized. Take up a new hobby. Uh, make more money. Stop smoking. What do you think number one is? I, Diane just mouthed that I was going to get a pair of scales here and step on and say, help, Lord. Losing weight losing weight. But have you ever heard anybody make any goals, some spiritual goals and resolutions for their life? How about something like this? How about a greater sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit and discernment thereof and asking God for wisdom who said he'll give it to us and all we have to do is ask. How about taking God's word and and not just having it laying on the table someplace, but where we're actually engaged in meditation and study uh, on a daily basis. And I would encourage and, uh, you to read the, uh, the, the Scriptures, the totality, cover to cover, in addition to any other personal studies. Maybe you say, I've done that for years. Well, maybe you take a new translation. How about evangelism? Do you remember, I, I think I, I shared this uh, several months ago, I think all of you would be interested in seeing West Highland double in size. And I gave you the benefit of thousands of dollars of seminary classes and tapes and CDs and conferences that I've been to, and I gave you the two words, bring someone, bring someone. How about making a goal this year to get at least one new family involved in the life of the church? And uh, the goal was uh, at least one. How about uh, a personal prayer? I've already mentioned that, where we would take and cultivate a life of prayer. If Jesus spent all night praying to the Father, how, oh, what does that say about us and, and the time that we engage in prayer? How about if we talk about love, the, the two greatest commandments involving love, that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, our total being. Maybe we come up with some goals to do that and say, Lord, help me to do that. And the second commandment, to to love others as ourself. I don't know about you, but I fall short in that and I need some help. Well, I think it's uh, uh, good to make resolutions and uh, if we attach some objectives there, then we don't haphazardly go through life. What we do is we can uh, establish priorities of our time and our efforts and our financial resources, and Scripture tells us we need to be good stewards of all that God has given us, and we need to bear fruit. Well, keeping these things in mind, let's proceed with the uh, New Year fruit plan. And by the way, everything in God's Word is a plan. Amen. We celebrated the birth of Jesus. Can you just three weeks ago? Does it seem like it's been a lot longer than that? three weeks ago, and all of you have heard Jesus is the reason for the season, and we have uh, that on all many Christmas cards. But while I was on the cruise this last week, God convicted me of something else. Yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season, but we are the reason the season was needed. We are the reason the season was needed. And, you know, God's plan was for Jesus to, to be born and uh, defeat death, hell, and the grave at the cross. And then the fulcrum of our faith is the resurrection. And uh, even though this plan is offered uh, for us to spend eternity with Christ, we have to accept that plan, don't we? Well, how do we do that? Well, Romans chapter 10, verses 9, and says uh, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation." And so we have a choice to accept Christ or to reject. As we think about this today, there was a reasonable request that was made. God expected fruit on the tree. He planted it in His vineyard. Fig trees were valuable trees. You didn't just simply plant them for the fun of it or shade. They got leaves. It was a source of income. And planting a tree in his garden was of singular importance because the owner could have put grapes or other crops in there instead of just that. Maybe he planted a a tree because to uh, diversify his assets and income throughout the year. Farmers do that today. They don't just plant uh, their entire farm to soybeans or corn or wheat. They, They plant various fields and then rotate do what we call crop rotation. At any rate, they was looking at it and just as the owner expected fruit on the tree and didn't find any, the owner was getting what we call a redundant report. Tree was not bearing fruit. And uh, Jesus clearly said what we must do to bear fruit. He said, remain in me and I in you. And just as a branch is unable to bear fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me." I think it's rather obvious. Branch got to stay attached to the vine or the trunk of the tree, and as disciples of Christ, we've got to remain connected to Him to remain spiritually productive. And a branch draws strength and nourishment and energy from the vine and our source. Our source that we need to stay plugged into is Christ. Now, just so that you know, some things don't grow well around other things. Some plants take vital nutrients out of the ground that might be essential to other plants. We don't know if this is what happened to the tree or not. But uh, uh, what we do know is that we have a plan here. And the owner had a purpose for that tree. And the gardener had a plan. God has a plan for your life as well. And that plan is for each of us to bear fruit. We were not created to take up time, space, and matter for our own selfish interests and desires. We were created for his praise, his honor, and his glory to bear fruit. Whatever happened, the, the tree was not bearing fruit. He had received a redundant report, same thing happening. And then we have a regretful recommendation. So the man took a, a care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for my fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? The owner is saying we planted it, we protected it, we cared for it, we've given it time to bear fruit. Tree is not responding, no fruit. And as we examine our lives, are we willing to cut out those areas that are not bearing fruit? As we begin this new year, some of our Lives might have some dead branches in, and we need to be pruned. Well, at any rate, whatever the case, let's invite God to come into our lives and remove those areas aren't bearing fruit. God convicted me a number of years ago. Now I've got to be careful here, and this is not any. Uh, this is for. This was for me, and so God told me that uh, I w- needed to prune. I was I was watching too much television. I needed to cut that branch out. I was watching and. Uh, playing too many video games, I was on the internet too much I was on social media platforms and uh, again, not judging any of you, just sharing that that's how I was convicted. And the Holy Spirit had other things that uh, which I was needed to use my time, effort and energies and so did some pruning because it says I want you to make a difference for the kingdom I want you to bear fruit. And so then we have what we call a resourceful response. There we go, that's the right one. (laughs) Leave it alone for one more year. and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If fruit, fine. If not, we'll cut it down. The gardener, for whatever reason, had a plan. Had a plan. In biblical times, it's called fertilizer. In biblical times, there were two sources of fertilizer. One was called animal waste, or what we call dung, And the other was simply dead animals, including fish. Does fertilizer make a difference? (laughs) All you gotta do is look at the neighbor's yard or yards in town and see how green they are. But you have to, it's a constant process. It doesn't last for the whole year usually. And then we have the right resolution. One more time here. And without a plan, the tree was the same as gone, right? Without a plan because we knew what was going to happen and perhaps we should develop some plans to bear fruit. And then we have what we call a righteous redeemer. And being a righteous redeemer, do you see intercession here on the part of the gardener? You see intercession, says, wait, wait, don't cut it down. I'll give it one more chance here. We see intercession. Did you know that Jesus is at the throne right now offering intercession for each one of us? And uh, for instance, we have these words, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God interceding for us, interceding for us. That's wonderful news, isn't it? And then we, did you know that we have also the, the Holy Spirit here who is, says this, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for saints in accordance with God's will. So we have intercession by Jesus. We have intercession by the Holy Spirit. And so let's invite God into our lives and say, Lord, we want to bear more fruit next year. We want to bear more fruit next year. How can we do that? How can we do that? And for some of us, are we bearing fruit? What do we need to do that? And uh, does the Lord have to ask the question each year? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Is this a question again? Maybe there's little fruit. Maybe there's no fruit. But maybe you want to bear fruit. In 2023, let's ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for us ask Jesus to intercede for us and say, what do I need to bear fruit, to bear more fruit in 2023? Maybe it's the fertilizer, maybe I need to be in the Word more, maybe I need uh, prayer. Whatever it is that I need, it'll be different for each one of us. And may we simply be available and abandoned unto His perfect will that His perfect will can flow through each of us. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we thank You We thank you for your word. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we just ask that you come and and, uh, intercede for us, just like you did for this tree in the parable. And that because of your intercession, we might be made whole, we might be productive, and we might bear fruit for the kingdom. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.